it's still it's helpful because I can still be honest and say, well, you know, probably like 99% of the time I'm not going to do that then, right? Um, because if we're being honest, like they're not writing songs for the inclusive church. They're writing, the, you know, they're writing songs for middle class white, cis, straight Christians, right? Um, so let me start there and say that's, that's sort of where I started the, the conversation in myself. Um, you know, to, to be specific, I think I just realized that like, um, the CCM world does not write songs that I believe are generally um, helpful for, and we can use all the descriptors, mainline, Wesleyan, progressive, inclusive churches and ministries. Yeah. And we can, we can play the game of of adapt the song, change this verse. We can do that. We can, we can go through and, and we can change the gendering and we can do they instead of he, we can say she sometimes, right? We can do that. And that's cool. And I think it's, this is when it gets real, it, 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 context matters, right? So when I showed up at Eastside personally, I was like, well, I'm ready to just no longer play Hillsong Bethel. I'm good. I'm good not doing that, right? That was where I was at. But the church, you know, there are a couple Hillsong songs that like matter to the church and they're sort of in the, in the, the DNA and stuff. And, and so that's why context matters, right? Um, but we, we can play that game of, of trying to put, put the square peg in the, in the circle hole and we can like try and shave off the edges, right? But I think I, I just realized for myself and, and the way, the direction I want to take my ministry is that uh, I want to start, <laughs> I want to start from, uh, a good inclusive theology, um, lifting up, you know, specific, specifically, you know, Methodist songwriters and, and people that are doing ministry in our space. Um, so that's, that, that's the sort of the, the, the broader and then the real specific. Um, this is also, and, and just to make this sort of uh, contemporary, um, COVID has just changed everything. You know, do, mm -hmm. doing ministry in, in COVID has just, has just changed everything. Um, yeah for most ministries, right? Um, sure, mega churches are still having church or they have huge teams that come do big productions and stuff. But, you know, I, I got hired at Eastside February 16th and had three Sundays. Yeah, uh, and then all of it then, just went down. And then, yeah, and then COVID hit. Um, and so all the things I was thinking about, like, oh, casting vision for my team and getting people on board and da, 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 that just like, it, it's all different now, you know? And so um, uh, <laughs> my pastor Tim, my boss Tim, uh, you know, I had, I had a, a long list of things I wanted to do when I got here, you know, and, and some of them were more just technical things and some were vision things. And uh, our first meeting after we decided to sort of, because, you know, you had, everyone had their initial first two or three weeks where we're like, oh, we'll take a couple weeks off and then we'll get back to whatever. And, mm -hmm. you know, a month in or whatever, when we realized, oh, this is going to be a little bit longer. Um, we had a meeting and he was like, well, it's sort of martial law. So he's like, you get to do whatever you want for a while. <laughs> and he was sort of, sort of joking, but also he was like, use, use this opportunity to, to, to change the direction of the ship. Um, yeah. So to get back to the original question. Um, I have this awesome opportunity to, to be on this team called um, CCLI and Beyond. Um, it's like a Methodist, it's, uh, oh gosh, Board of Excellence. 
is the department that is hosting the team. And essentially the way it works, this is all going to tie in eventually, I promise. Um, the way it works, it's a project that started in 2015. And, you know, they asked 15 Methodist pastors and worship leaders to be on this team. And basically um, they went through the CCLI top 100 and CCLI is like, it's like the website that handles um, copyrights and stuff for like worship music, right? So churches give money to CCLI so they can sing certain songs. And but CCLI tracks data of like what songs are being most sung at, at churches and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they went through the entire, you know, top 100 songs on CCLI and, and ranked them based on like Wesleyan theology, right? And it had a very like rigorous um, vetting process. And that's what I'm trying to pull up right now is like some of, some of the language that I found helpful. Um, um, and so they did that for, for like five years, 2015, 16, 17, 18. Wow. I think they took 19 off. Um, and, you know, so they ended up ranking 150 songs or whatever, right? Um, and what they found was, you know, there was a small list of songs that they considered like excellent, you know, when it came to like wow. lifting up theology that we, you know, it was, most of the songs were like, you know, they'd give it like a thumbs up, but like with heavy caveat, right? It's like, we'll give the song a thumbs up, but the heavy caveat that, da, 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 right? Um, so this year they relaunched it. They took off last year, or maybe they took off two years. I can't remember. Um, but, um, restarted the project and now, and, and I got to ask to be on the project, which is awesome. Um, it's like worship pastors and, and Methodist pastors from all over the state. Um, I think I'm the only person in Georgia and there's only like two of us in the Southeast, right? Like it's mostly like folks in California and all over, which is awesome. Um, but so we're, we're doing that first part. We're going to go through the CCLI top 100 and, and like rank songs and stuff, but we're also creating um, a new list of songs that we're basically going to present to the church um, to say, like, we think you should sing these songs. And, and specifically that, you know, the, the ask is that they're from independent songwriters that are preferably people of color, preferably queer folks, you know, preferably folks with a progressive theology. Um, and, it's, I was asked to be on this team literally as I was sort of like getting my mind back in the headspace to, to do ministry again. And it has been like an invaluable tool for me um, because like I, you know, I've done some of that own work myself, but to have like 14 other people that are also thinking about that all the time and, and can like come back at me when I'm like, oh, we should do this thing. And they're like, have you considered this? And I'm like, no, I didn't get to that, you know? Um, so all that to say, it's been really encouraging for me to know that that work is being done. And I think that this is just the beginning. And I think that the, this movement of Christianity is, um, I think it's starting to mature out. It, it, it's starting to mature past having to co-opt and having to adapt and having to do those things, but creating its, its own culture. Um, and that's my, my whole hope. Ultimately, my hope is that um, queer Christians, Christians of color, Christians that sit on the you know, moderate to progressive um, side of things uh, would birth new art, new songs um, that come from their perspective 
and don't just have to play the um, co-op game. And, and that's, that, I think that's yeah. an interesting conversation that we can get to maybe as well, you know. Um, the idea that a queer Christian could sing Raise a Hallelujah and, and sing it defiantly, like that, there's something to that. And I don't want to like dismiss that completely. Um, but I think a new, a new day is coming. And I just talked for like 15 minutes. So I'm going to hang back. <laughs> that's all <laughs> this is good. Like my, this that is my great. favorite thing. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's so great, honestly, to have that team behind you too. And just like mm-hmm. seeing that they did that research for those many years on like a ton of songs and stuff and to have all that finding, that is really great. And honestly, just seeing that much research is always comforting because it's just like, this isn't a one-off thing. They're actually really trying to cast a wide net and see what's going on here and look at specifics. But uh, Sarah, do you want to say anything? I was just going to ask another question. But Oh, I mean, that was just all like, I love data. And so I love the fact that there's like research happening and like, yeah, do you do you think, and this is somewhat opinion, but somewhat because I know you're positioned at an interesting intersection of like progressive Christianity. Do you think that from a worship standpoint, those voices are going to become the dominant voices like mm-hmm. of Christian music? Like, do you think that we're going to see a shift in that? Like that Bethel will not be the top and that some of these smaller right now artists will? Hmm, that's a great question. I think the the pessimist in me says says no. Um, I think that there's always a divide. Um, Methodist pastors talk a lot about the divide between clergy and lay folks, as far as like where people land um, on the spectrum, and generally clergy and those that sort of are, are in academia are more progressive than your average churchgoer. Um, and I don't know, I think me- mega church world right now is so, I mean, it's, it is such a powerhouse um, and not just in like the world of music, but just in, in, in the culture, right? Like um, see, seeing how much Trump has pandered to the evangelicals um, and seeing how much power there is in just like 15 worship leaders going to the White House and like doing a photo op, right? Like, um, I, I fear we're, we're, I feel we haven't experienced the worst of the worst part of that yet. Um, yeah. But that's always been the story of the church, right? Like, there's always been a part of the church that has sold its soul to power you know, since, uh, you know, Constantine, right? That's like, that's just sort of, sort of been how Christendom has always found a way. Um, and so I think Christianity and, and actually following Christ will also follow um, and find a way as well. Yeah. Do you, have you seen like in this kind of transition of, which started as something gradual, but maybe becomes something pretty swift in your case with your church in Eastside. Um, have you seen any pushback, um, especially to moving away from some of the older songs, um, kind of going towards other artists and stuff? Has there been any pushback to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, 
I am extremely fortunate here at Eastside that um, I have not at all, especially I, I have received pushback in other areas, but all like ne never, um, uh, never to the sort of the vision that's being cast in that way. You know, I've gotten a couple like, oh, like, I do like that song, but I understand, right? Like as soon as I explain or we sort of sort of dig in, like, you know, folks get it. Um, it's it, Eastside is very interesting because we're like an extremely progressive church, um, but we're also a church um, full of folks that like didn't necessarily grow up in church. And so it's a different context for me because my sort of default narrative is my narrative, which is like grew up in fundamental Christianity and then came out of that into what I believe is a more true version of Christianity. Um, but that's just like not a lot of folks' stories. Like a, a lot of folks like were in their 40s before they, you know, moved across the street from Eastside and then saw Eastside at the Pride Parade and just wanted to come check it out. Like that's your average Eastsider, right? Um, so no, I've been, I've been very lucky that I have not received pushback in, in that way. Um, I also think that um, there's just enough good music out there that's not um corporatized that's not evangelical um that if you do the work um it won't be missed it, I, I just I, I it won't be missed you know and obviously my context is different than a lot of contexts and I, I can imagine a lot of church contexts where folks would be like well why, why can't we sing I'll fly away why can't we sing that anymore you know what I'm saying but um yeah Sorry, uh, I think my Instagram just got hacked while I'm on the Zoom, so that's... Oh, no! And I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that in a little bit. Oh, no, uh, sorry, man. Yeah, that was all really good. Um, what... I think I'm going to ask this question, and I'll go to another question, but what advice would you have for someone who's in a church space or a community that has worship? and worship values that go against their theology, ethics, their person in general, um, what do you think would be some good steps for them? Yes. Specifically someone working in a ministry like that or someone sort of that just goes to a church like that or, or sort of both and. I, I'd say... So it's like someone's home church. Let's just say that. So it's mm -hmm. like they've been there for a while. So they probably have their foot in somehow. That's a good amount of the people I see that are in churches nowadays. Yeah. I want to be careful with my words because I know this is like a very real thing for a lot of folks. Um, I think... I have a lot of friends that are in churches like that. Like a lot of good friends um, would call themselves inclusive people, would call themselves progressive people, um, but are at your typical megachurch or whatever. Um, and I think, I think there's a narrative that a lot of folks want to buy into of like being the change from the inside. Um, 
and like I don't want to completely write that off and say that that like doesn't exist because I do think you know um I've bought into that a little bit you know like I've at this point in my life like I've decided that like the Methodist church in a general sense is like where I'm planting roots and I'm gonna like work from the inside and be like a I hate this term like be a company man right um like that's something I've I've decided to devote myself to obviously my wife is doing the same like being ordained like we're, we're committing ourselves to this this part of the church um and the Methodist church is not where I want it to be and because it's not where I want it to be I'm going to try and change it right um but I think that narrative only gets it, it can only go so far and I think more often than not just like relationships right more often than not it's not going to work um and so the same reason that I'm like generally team breakup, like if you're asking yourself the question, just do it, you know, um, that, that same reason I'm, I'm sort of like, uh, you, you probably can't change the culture because um, the culture is probably the way it is for a reason. And, and most likely you're going to leave with a lot of hurt if you stay too long. Um, and it's always better to leave early than to leave late. Because I just don't think church should be an area of your life that you bring, you don't bring your full self to, right? There are areas in our life, school and work and going to the grocery store or whatever, even some relationships where it's like, I, I'm not going to bring all my stuff to this. I just don't think um, church is, is one of those. Um, and so if you're in like a church space that's causing you hurt and trauma and you're experiencing dissonance, like I would say to, to find a new church space and, and that's complicated. And, and I, I, again, I have friends that we want to talk about the lay clergy divide. Like I have friends that are on staff at church and all the clergy are inclusive and da da da, but the, the congregation are not. And so maybe that's a weird situation and you, you know, but again, generally I th- you, you got to be taken care of at, at, at church and you got to be pastored well. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way of saying it too. It's just like, if you're, if you're questioning things, like get out of there because there is better. There really is a lot. There are a lot of churches out there that offer really great services, great worship are attentive to the people that are in the church and listening to, what's going on with them and meeting up. Um, it's um, painful nonetheless, but what is that, Sarah? Oh, I just wanted to interject um, because I don't want us to urbanize this conversation in the sense of like rural versus or urban divides. Cause there are spaces where there are not good progressive churches mm-hmm. in the area that are safe for certain people, certain groups to yeah. be a part of. Like you are not going to find that community within a hundred miles of you. Yeah. And so I do, I just want to make sure we're sensitive to that mm-hmm. and that like we can recognize that pain and that struggle and encourage, I guess, those people to take the age of COVID where you can connect online and people are building online communities yeah. to try and find a space that you can connect to and it is safe for you to be who you are and bring your whole mm-hmm. self to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just, I just want to recognize that like, Beautiful things y'all are both saying. No, I I love that, Sarah. So, so in that situation, it would be kind of like just as as far as application to the advice of someone being in that church, it'd be more so like use that church for what it's 
for what it is for the community mm. or the people group that you find safety in and like find the other, it's more of like putting pieces and like adding things to it um, temporarily right. while you're searching for those places. If they're definitely right. few and far between. Right. And I want to recognize that you shouldn't yeah. have to do that. And it sucks that that's what people have to do right yes. now. Yep. And yeah. hopefully yep. one day there will be inclusive progressive Christianity mm-hmm. available to you if you want it anywhere. Mm-hmm. But until mm-hmm. we get there, like yep. do not hurt yourself every day. Yeah. That's yeah. That is literally not what Jesus would ask of you. Right. Like I, I, like Jesus asked us to be in community, but not in community that is like hurting us every time we're, we're with them. Um, and I, that is, that's so good, Sarah. And thank God that more churches are taking, um, online ministry seriously in this time, because I mean, the resources have just exploded and not everyone's doing it well, but more people are doing it. Um, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I am I am skeptical of especially folks that have access to churches that are accepting and but so I, I don't want to say this as just a blanket term, but I am I'm skeptical of online exclusive ministries, right? Like in, in if if being next to a person is available to you, but if that is not available to you, like don't keep putting yourself in that position. And I would say like be a part of an online church to, to, to the full extent that you can, and then just find safe people. Even if it's not a church people, you know what I mean? Like find, find safe people within an hour and a half of you to be community and, and then just engage online as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay, find your village and don't compromise on your village. Yeah. 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 yeah and you're, awesome. you, you like, um, there are hills worth dying on and hills not worth dying on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can name all the hills, you know. <laughs> I, for, for me, like, amazing preaching is not a hill I'm willing to die on. Or like, I'm like, it, it's cool if I get that. And if I don't get that, like, I'll take a boring speaker if I agree with what they're saying or whatever. Like, you know, um, but like ha- having a church where my loved ones can walk in and like, I, I know that they are like being fully accepted. Like, that's just like, that's a hill worth dying on. And you, you should, you yeah. should die on that hill for yourself. Like you should know that you, that you, you should be able to bring your, your full self in, mm-hmm. in, into a church. That's great. I think that's a really great place to kind of wrap up this conversation, just full circle of, just this whole journey of, of you, but also where you're going and just where people can kind of find refuge in, in these times of things changing so much and so quickly. Um, but before we end, I want to check in and see if we have any Q and A's that were submitted. Yes, we do have one. It's a two parter and we've touched on it a little bit, but we can awesome. give like, a good wrap up on it. Um, how would worship become more inclusive? What does that look like? Mm. So I mean, I'll, I'll take, I'll take it from two, two angles. I mean, the first is that worship leadership has to look more inclusive, just, just in all the ways. And, uh, and, and we as a church need to do a much better job of accommodating that. And, and not just, not tokenism, you know, not checklist, but like, 
genuine um, genuine leadership from, from folks that have experiences that are not um, normative um, and making, and making space for that and make, and, and, and with the intention that there's going to be rub, you know, there's going to be rub because you, you have, you know, folks bringing different stuff to the table and different levels of experience to the table. And, um, and I, and I say worship all inclusively, not like just music, but like a, a liturgy, right? Like the, the liturgy we put together ha has to, has to, um, look like God's children. And if it doesn't look like God's children, it has to look like where you live. You know what I'm saying? Like it has to, it, like it, it has to look like where you are, you know? And that's, that, that is one specific area that like Eastside has a growing edge in, you know, Eastside is very multicultural, you know, but it doesn't look like East Atlanta. It, you know what I mean? We're, we're not there yet. And that's something like, we, that's a conversation we have every, every week. Um, so there's that. And then I think, uh, if, if, you know, specifically like worship music, how can it look more inclusive? I mean, um, let me, let me pull, let me, let me lift up this one line from the, I found, I found the line. Um, this, this is it for me. This was the, the line that like um, unlocked something in me as I was, you know, being a part of the CCLI team. Um, mm -hmm expansive language for God. Expansive, it's two, two things. So that's the first one is expansive language for God. And then the second thing is that God's primary character, God's primary characteristic is love. And those, yes. those like two things, like it, it, it gave me a, it gave me like a framework to think about the songs we sing, right? Because if we're singing songs and all we can call God is he, him, his, you, your, maybe the occasional king, like what a small God, right? Yeah. Like we're talking about the God that in scripture is like, is a burning bush, is a, a blowing wind, is a mountain, is mm -hmm. a wet nurse, right? Is a baby boy born to refugees, like this, like, and our language for God should, should, should encompass that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so much more than just gendered language. Like it is, it is about how we gender God. And, um, you know, I like, it, it, I'm, I'm at the place personally where if I'm leading a song it, it, from my church and I can't re-gender God in the song, like, I'm just not going to do it. Like if the song's written in a way that it's like, there's no way around God has a penis. Like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do the song, right? Like, yeah. it, you know, and, and I have no problem with singing songs that call God he, I'm just going to put a song next to it that only calls God she, right? Um, but, but again, it's more than just the gendering of God. It's like, we have to have expansive, like, imagery for God. So that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is, like, God's primary characteristic is love, right? That doesn't mean God is not other things. It doesn't mean God doesn't love justice. It doesn't mean God doesn't want us to be pure and whatever, whatever it is. But like, like the primary way we experience God should be love. And I think that's the primary way that you experience God in contemporary worship music is it's, there's a shame part of it. And there's like an insecurity thing. Like, I don't know what modern worship would be if you took the insecurity out of it. Like all the songs would disappear because they're all like, 
timidly coming to God and be like, I'm not good enough, but you know, whatever. There's that. Yeah. And then there's, and then the, the other thing is like just battles. God, God is fighting my battles and winning. And, and it's also vague and like, and so, mm. and so in that instance, God's primary character characteristic is like strength and, and power and stuff. And again, not that God is not strong. Right. But like the primary way that we experience God as a Christian through Christ is love. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think more inclusive worship looks like those things. See, seeing the full body represented, um, seeing, because uh, we'll, never, we'll never have all the words for God, but seeing an ever expanding way of talking about God um, and then seeing God primarily as love. I hope that answers the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I, I love that, like, ever-expanding, which is just so true, like, in the, I guess, physical definition of God, as much as we can get close to whatever that is, or just, like, wrapping our mind around it, but also, like, ever-expanding in our own lives, and our own understanding, and our own relation. There's just so many different places, and I think it's a beautiful thing to see that, like, God doesn't change in a sense, but mm. to us, our relationship, our view of God changes yeah. and that's a good thing. Yeah. And like that evolving with God is a beautiful process. And yeah, yeah, I, I love that so much. And that's why, that's why artists like Kendrick Lamar are writing more honest songs about God than any church right now. Because kids oh, yeah. can, can write a song where God is a homeless man that asks him for a dollar. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. that's like that is an image for God that you will not see in like a contemporary worship song. But it is an ever expanding way of, of how we see the divine manifest yeah. in our world. You know? Yeah. We we need to work a more uh vulnerable, open form of worship in into our church spaces. Because right now it's it's shallow and it's a sing-along and like, I, I get it. And there's, there's meaning. You can find meaning. You can find tradition in that. You can find these things and that's cool. But like, yeah, I, I agree with that. There's these very poetic, beautiful examples of what real life with God looks like. That's mm-hmm. like, just need to be incorporated. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank if, you if so I, much. My last, last thing yeah. I would lift up, just if you're looking for some artists that I think are, doing good work right now um two two groups in general or or, um yeah two groups that i've gotten into lately that i I think are uh really speaking to the moment um are common hymnal um they're like Mm -hmm. originally based in australia but now they have like a huge thing going on in in the states um but they 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 specifically there's a lot of um justice themes in their music and and it's a very black ministry and so they they really speak to just america and the experience of america right now um and then the other group is the porter's gate um and they're um i don't know much about them i i know it's like a a worship collective in the midwest but um they will like you know they're they're the kind of group that will just take like a, a passage of scripture and work it into a song in really really beautiful ways um but both of them at, uh, uh, Porter's Gate, actually, their album just came out. I think it's just called Justice. 
and it's just about you know the Black Lives Matter movement of this year. Yeah. And then uh, Common Hymnal has an album called Praise and Protest that comes out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's cool. yeah, and I'm very I'm very excited for that one. So yeah, um, and and that's just two 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 groups that I think are doing good work, and, and they're not the end all be all because there's not a lot of like. LGBTQ plus representation, at least that I know of in those two groups. So like, that's, that's one area that like me personally, I've been felt really convicted that like, sure, I'm consuming, I'm cool. Now I'm consuming uh, uh, worship music from indie groups or groups that have more, you know, people of color, but like, that's one area specifically that I'm like, no, I need to like hear more, you know, divine sacred yeah. music from, from LGBTQ uh, brothers and sisters and uh, NBs. Um, yeah. siblings. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's work there. I mean, raising up those voices, like people who have privilege, like, like me, like enabling people to be able to have a platform if it's a platform they want, you know, um, because there's just, there's so much oppression. There's so much stuff going on that scares people away from those roles, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, com- I, Common Hymnal is so great. We've been singing a lot of that their stuff um, at CCW and Sid and I actually this morning at San Marco saying, uh, what is it, Turn on the Walls uh, yeah. by them. It's mm-hmm. so good. But yeah. This song, I, I don't know if it's called Roses or... Oh, oh my God. Is that, is that, that what it's called, is... Roses? That, that, I think that song roses. is like one of those songs. It, it just, it just messes me up, man. Yeah. Rose petals, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will say on like LGBTQ plus uh, worship music, there's a Spotify playlist called like LGBTQ Christian. Um, that I think right has now. some good stuff. Please. Um, Trey Peterson has a song called Hey mm-hmm. Jesus. That's just basically about like the coming out experience. Um, mm. Yeah. So there's Trey stuff Pier- out Pier- there. Trey Pearson, right? Uh, Pearson. Yeah. Did I say Peterson? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, but he, yeah, he, he's one of those guys. He was on the scene when we lived in Nashville, and so it's so it's so crazy seeing where he's at now. Like, he's an artist that I, like I know of in the back of my mind, but I I need to engage with his work. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, some some more resources there. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Troy. Uh, this mm-hmm. has been a an awesome conversation, and I love all the twists and turns we've gone through with it. Um. But yeah, it's been a really great conversation. I really hope that things keep going well for you um, and worship up there. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you everyone else also for tagging along and listening. If this is the podcast version or watching along, if this is the Facebook group version, um, I invite you to join next time we have this, which is September 22nd at 7 p.m. Um, that'll be really great. But yeah. Uh, see you then, hopefully. Bye. Good to talk with y'all. Bye, friends.